Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. God, I also pray that everybody here and under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Whatever form your Bible takes, if you have your Bible with you, whether it's hard copy or digital, let's lift our Bibles up and let's say our Bible confession. Here we go. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, we're starting in the book of Exodus today. Our very first image is when God was talking to Moses, God made a declaration. And here's what it says, Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, understanding that we're focused in on a series and called, called Peace Within. They're having their exchange, and Moses said, this is the Voice Bible, Let's say I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your fathers have sent me to rescue you. And they re then they reply, what is name you? <laughs> what, what should I tell them then? Then God says, I am who I am. This is what you should tell the people of Israel. I am has sent me to rescue you. Here, most of us have already read this or heard of this before, where God says, I am. Well, Jesus in the New Testament, he makes some I am declarations. I'm talking about some direct declarations or claims or affirmations or whatever you want to call it. He says, I am, fill in the blank. He makes several of them, seven to be exact, seven direct affirmations or declarations, and they all occur in the book of John. Here they are. Starting just as they come sequentially in the Bible. We're going to read John 6, 35, 8, verse 12, 10, verses 7 through 9 in the King James Version. The first one. John 6, 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. 
He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 10, 7 through 9. Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Those, those are the first three. Here comes the other four. Also in the King James Bible, John 10, 11, John 11, 25, John 14 and 6, John 15 and 1, John 10 and 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And John 15 and 1, I am the true vine. And my Father is the husbandman. These are his seven direct I am statements. But what if I were to tell you, and this is just your pastor speaking, don't go try to find this anywhere, but what if I were to tell you he has seven direct I am's and one indirect I am? What is the indirect I am? Take me back up one image to the first one. Notice in John 6.35, Jesus says, and it says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see the second one? He says, I'm the bread of life. Bread deals with your tummy, but something else deals with your thirst. So in that one, he is saying, I am the bread of life, and I am the water of life. Here they all are in just images. All of Jesus' I am's, including my indirect I am. Go forward a couple. One more. Here they are. All of Jesus' I am. He says, I am the bread of life. I throw in there water of life. I am the light of the world the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, the true vine. When I look at all of those, the one that draws me in the most is the door, where Jesus says, I am the door. That's because when I see door, I realize that indicates to me there is a gateway to another place, a gateway to another realm a gateway to another, another point in time or point of existence that can deliver me to further and better things. A door tells me there's access here. A door tells me there is an entry point. Once I grasp the door and I lock in on the door, Everything gets simple for me because I realize something. I realize that if I want to access the bread of life, I need but go through the door.
If I want to access the water of life, all I need to do is go through the door. If I want to get to the light of the world, I got to go through the door. What about getting access to the good shepherd or the resurrection and the life? All I got to do is go through the door. Once I understand that Jesus is the door and everything else is accessible to me on the other side of that door, I just focus on the door. Once I know that he is the door, if I want to get access to the way, the truth, and the life, I just go through the door. If I want access to the true vine, baby girl, I just got to go through the door. What is the true vine? You know how it works. You look at a bunch of grapes or you look at anything growing on a, on, in a vineyard, as long as it's connected to the vine, it's got provision, it's got nutrients, it's got minerals, it's got the stuff that it needs to grow and to thrive. When you are connected to, to the true vine, what that means is you are connected to the ultimate source, God. You are connected to the ultimate provision, God. He is the source of wisdom. He is the source of truth. They used to sing a song in my old church, say, what you need, God got it. He got everything you need. You need joy, God got it. Need peace, God got it. Need love, God got it. Whatever he, you need, God got everything you need. And you have that if you're connected to the true vine and you just got to go through the door. The true vine is there. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the only way to true life. And to get there, I need but go through the door. What about the resurrection and the life? He is the only way for eternal life. He is the only way for resurrection. But guess what? Resurrection in Christ is not only for the dead. There are a lot of people who are alive but need resurrecting. You can be alive and lifeless. Jesus can bring life back into your lifelessness. If you are lonely, there's a part of you that's lifeless. If you're depressed, there's a part of you that's lifeless. If you're impoverished, there's a part of you that's lifeless. If you're heartbroken, there's a part of you that's lifeless. But Jesus can resurrect joy out of loneliness, happiness out of sadness, prosperity out of poverty. If you want to access that, though, all you need to do is go through the door. What, what about this good shepherd? We already talked about the good shepherd before. Psalm 23. What did David say? Let me show you. David starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. But Jesus says in John that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In other words, the shepherd's always going to be there. 
if the shepherd's good. The shepherd's always going to be there to defend if the shepherd's good. The shepherd's always going to be there to provide if the shepherd's good. The shepherd's always going to show grace and mercy if the shepherd's good. So if you want access to the good shepherd, all you got to do is go through the door. And as David said, what does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd takes care of all your wants. So if you want access to the shepherd that takes care of all your wants, you just got to go through the door. You get access to the shepherd that does what? Take care of your wants, leads you to green pastures, leads you beside still waters, restores your soul. If you're in the valley of the shadow of death, he's there with you, takes care of your evil thoughts, takes care of your fears, takes care of everything that gives you discomfort. That's the kind of shepherd you get access to if you walk through the door. A shepherd that comforts you, that gives you something in front of your enemies that have your enemies going, how in the world did that happen? I'm talking about a shepherd that anoints your head with oil and give you provision that runs over. All available at the door. A shepherd that has goodness and mercy and his loving kindness in hot pursuit of you all the days of your life. You get access to a shepherd like that if you only just go through the door. What are we also? He says he's also the light of the world. The light of the world, meaning the lamp to your path, leading you down the ways of righteousness. If you want access to the light of the world, you need but walk through the door. Give me that image again with the, with the I am's on it. What about the bread of life? Fulfillment beyond the natural. Fulfillment that takes those things in your life and make, it, make them complete. It's all available at the door. Now, this water of life, the water of life, water, often is a reference to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And you have access to the water of life through the door. Notice this when Jesus mentions water. Take me to John 4. Now, you've all probably, I'm assuming, read this. The woman at the well. Whenever you see verses on screen this way, some of them are small because I'm really not anticipating us reading them. But the reference is there for your study. Whatever is in big print, that's what we're puddle jumping through. Basically, Jesus arrives here in Samaria, and he's sitting now by the well. And this woman comes up, and Jesus says, please give me a drink. Will you please give me some water? She basically say, I don't know why you're talking to me. Y'all don't used to talk to us. Jesus answered, verse 10, you don't know what God can give you. And you don't know who I am. Girl, you don't know who I am. You think you're standing in front of a man, but you're standing in front of the door. 
And the door, if you just enter in the door, you will end up getting a special kind of water that's much different than this water from this physical well. He says, you don't know who I am. The one who asks you for a drink, if you knew I was the door, I put that in there, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. She says some more words and Jesus responds this way. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. The water I give people will be like a spring flowing inside of them. It will bring them eternal life. If you want access to a water like that, you only got to walk through the door. It's all available at the door. What about this other water, though? Jesus talks about water again. Go to, I think it's John 7. Go on, go on one more. This is John 7, verses 37 and 38 in the voice, and verses 37 through 39 in the easy to read. The voice, on the last day, the biggest day of the festival, festival, Jesus stood again and spoke aloud. Jesus said, if any of you is thirsty, yeah, I like, you know what? That, I don't, that, that's kind of indication Jesus might have been black. <laughs> when you put is in there, is, you is, the, it's supposed to be you are. <laughs> so he got a little Ebonics for, that might just be translation, but I just, oh, I like, Jesus was the brother. Okay, here we go. I'm just, I don't want to start that. I don't want to start that. But, but I'm just saying, if any of you is, that's, that's my people talk like that from where I'm from. You know what I mean? If any of you is thirsty, come to me and drink. If you believe in me, the Hebrew scriptures say that rivers of living water will flow from within you. Easy to read, verses 37 through 39. The last day of the festival came. It was the most important day. On that day, Jesus stood up and said loud, loudly, Whoever is thirsty may come to me and drink. If anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out from their heart. That is what the scriptures say. Jesus was talking about the spirit. The spirit had not yet been given to people because Jesus had not yet been raised to glory. But later, everybody say, but later. Mm. But later, those who believed in Jesus would receive the Spirit. Loved ones, we live in the but later. They lived on the before later. But we live in the but later. We have access to the Spirit. We have access to that living water. We have access to that part. All we got to do, though, to get it is just walk through the door. All I got to remember about all of Jesus's I am statements is that he said he is the door because on the other side of that door is everything I need. Everything he says I am, I can access through one particular point, the door. It really simplifies my life. It simplifies my access. It does something else also, though. It gives me a tremendous responsibility. 
it presents me with the responsibility that I want to share with you. And you should want to hear this responsibility because it also involves you. To give you what that responsibility is, though, I have to go a little bit deeper in talking about the door. And to do that, we have to go back in time from the New Testament to the Old Testament, back to the book of Exodus, back to our friend Moses in Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 1. If you are an attendee in this campus, you can probably quote Exodus 3 by heart. We have spent a lot of time here, especially in the voice translation or the voice version. But what we're looking for here is something a little different. Stay with me. Let's go. Starting in verse 1. Now, one day when Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he guided the flock far away from its usual pastures to the other side of the desert and came to a place known as Horab, where the mountain of God stood. There, the special messenger of the eternal appeared to Moses in a fiery blaze from within the bush. Moses looked again at the bush as it blazed, but... To his amazement, the bush did not burn up in flames. Moses said to himself, why is this bush not burning up? I need to move a little closer to get a better look at this amazing sight. Verse 4. When the eternal one saw Moses approach the burning bush to observe it more closely, he called out to him from within the bush. God said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, I'm right here. God went on to say, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals and stand barefoot on the ground in my presence, for this ground is holy ground. I am the true God, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A feeling of dread and awe rushed over Moses. He hid his face because he was afraid he might catch a glimpse, glimpse of the true God. Okay, here we go. Verse 7. God is starting to talk to him more. God says, I have seen how my people in Egypt are being mistreated. I have heard their groaning when the slave drivers torment and harass them, for I know well their suffering. I have come to rescue them from the oppression of the Egyptians, to lead them from that land where they are slaves, and to give them a good land, a wide open space flowing with milk and honey. The land is currently inhabited by the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. The plea of Israel's children has come before me. I have observed the cruel treatment they have suffered by the Egyptians hands, Egyptian hands. So go, I am sending you back to Egypt as my messenger to Pharaoh. I want you to gather my people, the children of Israel, and bring them out of Egypt. Pause right there. Family, what assignment is God giving Moses? Let me say it for the people on the other side of the wall can hear you. What's it? What is it? Bring the people out of Egypt. It's right there. It says, so I'm sending you back to Egypt as my messenger. That is the direct message. Conceptually speaking, though, What mission 
is he giving Moses? The messenger talked to Conceptually speaking, the mission God is giving Moses is to be his door. God is saying, I see my people being mistreated. I want them out of that situation, so I'm sending you down there to be my door. I am the deliverer, but you are going to be my door of deliverance. My people are groaning. I want them out of that situation, so I'm sending you to be my, be, be my door. They're being tormented. They're being harassed. So I'm sending you to be my door of their exodus. They're under oppression. They're in slavery. So I'm sending you to be my door of freedom. They're under cruel punishment, cruel treatment. So I'm sending you there to be my door. They need to be liberated. I am their liberator, but you are my, my door of liberation. Moses, I have a plan to get them out of their situation, but I'm going to work my plan through a door, and that door has got your name on it. God's mission for Moses is for Moses to go to Egypt and be his door. And Moses gets this mission from God who is speaking to him from a burning bush. Said differently, Moses gets his mission assignment from God on the outside. But Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus also resides on the inside of me. Jesus, just like God here with Moses, has also given me a mission. What is that mission? Notice. Next image, please. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, the King James and the voice. After Jesus has had resurrected, he has his disciples together. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. He's given a mission there. But let's look at the voice. It makes it clearer. Verse 18, Jesus came forward and addressed his beloved disciples. Jesus said, I am here speaking with you. I'm here speaking with all authority of God who has commanded me to give you this commission. Say commission. Commission. Mm -mm -mm. Go out and make disciples of all nations, all the nations, ceremonially wash them through baptism in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then disciple them, form them in the practices and postures that I have taught you, and show them how to follow the commands I have laid down for you, and I will be with you 
day after day to the end of the earth of the age. That is our mission. But focus in on that word commission. We read it and we read it and we read it, but do we ever really break it down? Today we do so. Commission. There's a base word there, mission. Combined with a prefix, co. Co meaning together. Jesus is saying, I have a mission for you, and that mission is something we're going to do together. And I'm going to be with you to do that mission with you every day of your life. But we're going to do something together. And what you're going to help me do is you're going to help me go out and make disciples. And when you get them, you're going to wash and baptize them. You're going to form them. You're going to disciple them. You're going to show them. This is our co-mission. You working with me, me working with you, hand in hand, all the days of your life, day after day. A co-mission. Not just a mission, but something we're doing together. Now consider this. If Jesus has given me a co-mission, what does that commission mean to me? More specifically, what does that commission to disciple and to baptize and to form and to show, what does that commission make me? If Jesus is the door, but my commission is to work hand in hand with him to get people to the door, then I am the door to the door. This commission makes me the door to the door. And that gives me a tremendous responsibility because if the door to the door is not functioning properly, then fewer and fewer people actually make it to the door. This commission puts me in the position of being the door to the door. And guess what, believer? It puts you in the position of being the door to the door. And if your door to the door does not operate properly, then fewer and fewer people make it to the door. And we want people to make it to the door because at the door they get access to the bread of life, the water of life, the light of the world, resurrection and the life, the good shepherd, the way, the truth and the life, the true vine. We want them to get to the door, but before they get to the door, there is a door on the leading edge called you. Call me the door to the door. That's a big responsibility. Being the door to the door. Because if the door to the door is jacked up from roof to floor, 
That was not on purpose, but it sounded so good. I got, I got, I got my Muhammad Ali Jesse Jackson on then. If the, if the door to the door ain't right, then getting people to the door is very difficult. And when you are the door to the door, and you're talking about you have a commission, you have something that Jesus has said you're going to do, said you need to do, put you, pointed you towards, you got to take notice. Look at this in John 14. Family, Jesus said this when he's talking to the disciples. Get, he's getting close. He's starting to do, you know, get ready for his last supper kind of thing. John 14 and 12. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, we know Jesus has given us a mission, or as we say it slowly, a commission. Our part, we know it's to disciple, we know it's to form, we know it's to, sh it's to show them. But he also says that we're going to do greater works. Now, Jesus, sir, my brother in I call Jesus my brother in Christ, my brother in you. Doing works that are great is one thing. But doing works that are greater than your works is a whole different ballgame. The works that you've done are second to none. Jesus, when I look at your works... And I'm talking about your works, including turning water to wine, walking on water, calming a storm, healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding thousands and thousands of people with just a little bit of provision. How am I to do greater? And by the way, let's not move past the fact that you took on all my sins. You went to the cross. You were bruised for me. You were whipped for me. You were hung for me. You bled for me. You died for me. You resurrected for me. Not just for me, but for all of mankind. But guess what? You are the only person who could do that. And that I consider one of your greatest, if not the greatest work. But you say I should do a work greater. How do I do a work greater than the work you did to establish the door to get me back in right standing with God? You did the work to become the door. That door that takes a sinner and turns a sinner into a saint. From sinner to redeemed. From sinner to righteous. From sinner to holy. 
from sinner to child of God, from sinner to ambassador, from sinner to, 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 to ch child of the most high, to a kingdom citizen. How do I do a work that's greater than the person who did the work to create a door like that? I tell you how, by being the door to the door. The door is no good if no one makes it to the door. So the greater work is being the door to the door. Because if the door to the door doesn't work, fewer and fewer people get to the door. What does that mean? Your door has to be inviting. Your door can't be mean and nasty. How is that? Your door can't be had no funky attitude. How is that? Your door can't be, can't be snobbish. How is that? Your door can't be bike biting and gossipy. How is that? Your door can't be talking about people. How is that? Your door has to be a door that someone looks at and wants to get close to. Your door can't be a deterrent. If you're going to be an effective door to the door, you got to be inviting the people. Your door cannot have the label Christian, but your address be one-on-one -on -one Hale Avenue. Come on. You got the responsibility to be of being the door to the door. If your door is pitted with doubt and unbelief, you're on the leading edge. How are people going to get to the door? How are you going to successfully do your commission if your door is a deterrent? You know, there are some people, some believers, who are very content to keep the door behind their door. They're content to keep it all of God to themselves. How does that look? I'm glad you asked. When somebody wants to keep the door all to themselves, it looks like this. If you mess up, they condemn you. But if they mess up, they want forgiveness. Oh, 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 I get it. We can, we can talk about your children and how bad they are, but when you talk about their children, they get offended. They want to pull a scripture out on you and tell you that God say, you ain't supposed to talk about people like that. But you was talking about me? I'm not promoting it. I'm just talking about it. Some people are content with keeping all of they Jesus to themselves. That's the kind of people that talk about us and them. And it don't matter what the them is. It's the them doctrine. It's the them skin color. It's the them social status. It's the them whatever. The neighborhood they live in. Where they come from. How they talk. How they dress. What, what, what is the separation that is so important to you 
that you will barricade the door to the door. The greater work is the responsibility that we have in our commission, and that is to lead others to Christ or in our vernacular, be the door that ushers others to the door. The greater works. We get to the greater works by simply being the door to the door. And if we can be the door to the door, more and more people would get to the door. What does all of that mean? It means simply this. If you and I are the pivotal point for people getting to the door, then people get to the bread of life through my door. People get to the light of the world, in effect, through my door. They get to the good shepherd through my door. The resurrection and the life, they get there through my door. The way, the truth, and the life, my door. They get to the true vine through my door. That is the responsibility that we have. To be the door to the door. And when you get to the door, what do you find at the door? You find peace at the door. You find peace at the door because when you're standing with the I am, who is the bread of life, that gives you peace. When you stand with the I am, who is the light of the world, that gives you peace. When you stand shoulder to shoulder with the good shepherd, that gives you peace. We read it, that shepherd that's with you, no matter where you are, no matter what life throws at you, whether you're up or whether you're down, when you know that the shepherd is always there leading you and guiding you, never separating himself from you, that gives you peace. When you're with the one who's the resurrection and the life, that gives you peace. When you're with the true vine family, that gives you peace. And it shouldn't be surprising that getting to the door gives you peace because the Bible refers to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. What I'm going to do here, I considered reading this, and it's not very much, but... And let's read it. Here we go, verse 1. But there would be no more gloom for those who knew such hardship. In the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. Yeah, Naphtali. It's Naphtali. Later, 
He will restore the honor and glory to the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, home of the nations. The people who had been living in darkness have seen a great light. Here we go. The light of life has shined on those who dwelt in the shadowy darkness of death, and you, God, will make it happen. You bolstered the nation, making it great again. You have saturated it with joy. Everyone in it is full of delight in your presence, with like in your presence, like the joy they've experienced at the harvest, like the thrill of dividing up the spoils of war. For you, for as you did back in the day when Midian oppressed us, you will shatter the yoke that burdens them. You will lift the load that weighs them down. You will break the rod of their oppressor. It's true. All the fabric of war will go up in flames. The troops' heavy boots that stamp us down and their blood-soaked garb will all be burned beyond recognition or use. There will be a new time, a fresh start. Next one. And here we go. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. Hope of all hopes, dreams of all of our dream of our dreams, a child is born. A child is born. Sweet breathe, a son is given to us, a living gift, a living gift of a door. And even now, with tiny features and dewy hair, he is great. The power of leadership and the weight of authority will rest on his shoulders. His name, his name will know in many ways. He will be called, read this with me, let's go. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, dear father everlasting, ever present, never failing master of wholeness, prince of peace. Mm. His leadership will bring such prosperity as you've never seen before, sustainable peace for all time. God has given us a gift, a door. And if we want access to everything that door possesses, all we need to do is enter the door. Within that door is wonderful counsel. Within that door is access to a mighty God. Within that door is access to a father that's everlasting, ever present, never failing, always able to keep us whole. The Prince of Peace is accessible through that door. And if you want sustained, sustained peace, a peace that is sustained for all time, you need but enter the door. If we're looking for people to have peace like that, we must be inviting so that when they see us and they come before us, the door that we are guides them to the door. And then they can get this kind of peace. One more, what Paul said to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, King James Version and easy to read. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Easy to, write, easy to read. And because you belong to Christ Jesus, God's peace will stand guard over all your thoughts and feelings. His peace can do far better than our human minds. 
if we want, if you want, but if we want people to get to a place where God's peace stands guard over their thoughts and over their feelings and gives them a peace that far exceeds anything they could conceive with their human minds, they have to get to the door. But before they get through the door, your door is what they see first. So family, what are we saying? That there is a tremendous responsibility on us. Each one that calls themselves, calls themselves a believer. And that responsibility is to be the door to the door. Because if your door is jacked up, if it's messed up, if it's funky, if it's tainted with attitude, then people getting to the door is less likely. So being on the leading edge is critical. That makes the responsibility as the door for me, something I must take seriously. It's a big responsibility for me, and guess what? It is a big responsibility for you. And if we ever want people to experience what's on the other side of the door, including peace, we need to make sure we Focus on doing our part to make the door to the door something they both want to approach and walk through. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. I, we're going to do a confession about being the door to the door. I like to tell people what they're going to say before I say repeat after me. I've been caught like that before, just talking. And then after you said it, you go, what in the world did I just say? <laughs> we ain't going to pull no okey-doke on you like that. We're going to confess being the door to the door. Let's go. Father God, Father God I, thank you I thank you that you gave me, you gave me a, gift a gift in Christ. In Christ, Christ, Christ did, the work did the work to become, to become the door. He has given me, has given me a co-mission, co something, something we are to do, are to do together. together. My part, My part is, to is to be the door, the door. To, the to the door. That means, that means I need to be, need to be inviting, inviting and usher people into the door that leads to the door, which is Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, give God some praise. If you don't mind, I'm going to pray for you. God, I thank you that everybody here and those under the sound of my voice have a heart to receive and a spirit to contain your word. They don't just hear this as 
generic words, but as a message from you. Something that they're going to take to heart and apply in their life. God, we don't know how any of us in the past have presented our door to other people. We don't know how inviting it's been in the past. But starting today, I put my faith out there and my hope, my prayer, that every believer grasps the perspective of being the door and, begin to and begins to present their door as something someone would want to walk up to. Present their door as an inviting element in this world. Oh yeah, we are walking invitations. But how we present that invitation is a determining factor on whether or not someone accepts or says yes. Go out into all the nations is our charge. Disciple them is our charge. Lead them to the door where they can get fulfillment, they can get that living water, and they can find peace. Mm. Thank you, God. Mm. And God says that some of you in here right now are alive yet lifeless. And resurrection is inside that door. Not just resurrection to eternal life, but resurrection to a better life right now. You experienced a failure and you put that dream away. But God says he is the resurrection. That relationship between parent and child. God says that you put it away. But guess what? Through the door, there is resurrection. You have dreams to provide better for your family. And it's gotten hard and you're starting to faint. But God says, there's resurrection. Don't give up. Keep the course. Stay focused. 
because he is the resurrection. Just continue to stay within the door. Everything you need is at the door. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.